Welcome to another episode of the Family Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Horstman, and my prayer for you is that the Lord would be pleased to bless this show and use it to provide you as a Christian parent with gospel-centered, grace-driven ideas and encouragement for shepherding your children's hearts and cultivating your family's relationships with Jesus and with each other. All right, friends, welcome back to this uh, episode of the Family Discipleship Podcast. Um, and this evening, I have uh, my friend Caleb Stomberg on with me tonight. Um, Caleb is going to join me for a discussion about the role of fathers as uh, the shepherds and spiritual leaders of their homes and families. Um, so he's going to share some biblical wisdom and practical tips for dads who are seeking to reclaim this vital role in their families, uh, even if you feel uh a little bit ill-equipped to do so. So <laughs> uh, we, we really do believe it's it's time to reestablish uh, the father's role as the spiritual shepherd of the family and to pass on a robust faith to the next generation. So uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, Caleb, um, he is the pastor of Legacy Reformed Baptist Church in Northwestern Minnesota. Uh, he and his wife, Lindsay, are blessed with seven children and together they host the website and podcast located at reformedfaithandfamily.com. Uh, which is uh, dedicated to equipping Christian parents to disciple their children in the faith. And I will have the uh, link to that, uh, link to the website and their social media um, in the show notes with this episode. Uh, for now, we're just going to go ahead and uh, jump right into our conversation. Welcome, Caleb. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Yeah. So I just wanted to, to talk a little bit. Um, you know, our, our subject tonight is, you know, reestablishing dad's role as the, the spiritual shepherd of the, the home and family. So um, I guess my first question for you is, what do you think has led to the shifting of discipleship uh, from the home to outside sources or outside entities like, you know, the church or schools? Uh, you know, what, what cultural or societal changes do you think have contributed to that and shaped that? You know, I think it's a bit of a, a little bit of a perfect storm. There's a, a, a number of things that have grouped together of why it's, it's, I think, so much worse in this generation or in this kind of culture timeline than it has been in other times. I, you know, for one, you can't ignore just basic human sinfulness and laziness. So, you know, anything that uh, that we're called to do or anything that is, is noble and good, uh, if we aren't diligent to work after it and to keep after it, uh, we're going to drift in the opposite direction. You know, you don't, you don't become faithful by accident. So I, I think that accounts for a good part of it. We gradually... You know, we slip a little bit. We start judging ourselves uh, off of our peers rather than against God's word. Um, and then it becomes pretty easy, you know, down the road to say, well, I got, I did a little bit more than my neighbor did or the other people in the church did. You know, I got them, my kids to VBS. I got my kids to Sunday school. Therefore, I've done all that is expected of me as a, as a parent, as a Christian parent. Uh, and that's a pretty easy drift to do. And I think that's definitely part of it. I think another factor with that is that our church has largely followed the culture's direction and what we think it means to educate and train children or really anybody. We've gone along with the idea that we need to have designated experts to be able to teach, you know, pretty much anything. Mm. You know, the average parent is, is at this point, I think, believes that they aren't equipped or capable, that it would be inappropriate for them to, to spiritually guide and, and, and direct their children, you know, that they're not up for the task of uh, explaining God's word, of of explaining the nature of God, those kind of things. Um, then you know, if if we're not in t if we're not up for the task, then we're going to find somebody else that is. And we've kind of been led to believe uh, that's something the pastors or Sunday school teachers or you know people like that should do. And sadly, I think 
we've kind of had this mentality for long enough, for enough generations where this has been going on, that most Christian parents actually aren't very well equipped to be able to lead their children. They don't know much about the nature of God. Their, you know, theology is a, or doctrine or seem to be bad words to them. You know, those are those are things that you know stuffy professionals do, or maybe the pastors or you know professors in college kind of thing. So they're really not even in a good spot to do that anymore. So parents feel insecure um, and ill-equipped, and they just look to the experts because that's what we do with everything else. Um, I, I think another element of that is that our, our families have really become segmented. And what I'm meaning by that is that, you know, our our lives are comp- car- compartmentalized and largely um, independent of each other. So especially as our children start to get a little bit older and most uh, homes that, you know, where Christians live are no longer really Christian homes. They're just a home where Christians live. Um, and, you know, we have got a group of independent individuals living under the same roof, uh, not an interconnected and interdependent family who is walking through life together. So yeah. that when we get to that kind of condition, you know, we're used to living separate lives, even from children. Uh, it makes it very awkward or feeling unnatural to have deep kind of com- interpersonal conversations, to have spiritual conversations. It just kind of feels weird or like you're violating someone's privacy to kind of have that because we're so unconnected there. And that obviously that's going to be something that gets worse as as kids get older because they want they start to act like that if you treat them as, you know, independent kind of uh, disconnected individuals. But Right. Um, we, we've, but we've taken that kind of mentality and, and allowed that to even drift into with younger kids largely. So I think it, it's become a very awkward thing for families to try to do that. You know, kids right. don't look to their parents anymore. They're, they've been taught to look to their peers or maybe the, the youth leaders or the teachers kind of thing. That's who they look to for spiritual guidance and those kind of things. So that's definitely contributing to the problem. And I think in general, you know, kind of our topic for the for the evening, uh, we've got a real shortage of men actually leading in the home. Yeah. So that, and I think we've got both because of a, a general decay of the family, as uh, just normal roles and, and structure of the family has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a, a general kind of feminization in the church where manly men and guys that are, would be leaders and, and strong and that kind of thing uh, don't feel as welcome or comfortable in a lot of churches right. uh, because it seemed to be, you know, we tell men that want to be men that it's toxic, you know, if you're going to be strong or leader. So I think that contributes as well. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot of Christian couples that I, I think are well-meaning, but they bought into the notion that you know, within the home, you should, you're supposed to have a, a real equal partnership between, you know, the husband and wife. They do all the things together. They share all the burdens together, all the responsibilities together, and all that kind of egalitarian mindset. And while that might sound nice, um, if you share, you know, the burden and responsibility like that, that's really a way of kind of comforting yourself and letting go of the responsibility because the blame is only partly your fault. Um, yeah. So we got guys that don't step up with that. They're not leading. Uh, they're kind of comfortable just letting those kind of things go and um, and drifting on that and following after a lot of ideas. Again, you know, they have the appearance of, of wisdom, have the appearance of, of spiritual kind of um, sensibility to it, but really they're empty and vacuous and they're just following after kind of the culture's lead. Yeah. 
No, I agree. So it's it's kind of like a, a big big handful there of reasons. So, <laughs> so you can't just point to one one thing and say, oh, you know, it's it's this problem or this problem. But uh, definitely, and you know, I I really uh, connected with what you said about you know how we treat our families, like you know, uh, basically just an individual or a collection of individuals, mm -hmm. you know, living under the same roof. Um, so yeah, I've definitely seen kind of both ends of that spectrum where it's you know yeah some some families like seem really awkward around each other, and then you know others it's uh, you know. Uh, totally opposite and it, you know it's really beautiful um you know situation when a family is you know really really connected like that so absolutely um, yeah yeah so how does the bible instruct fathers uh specifically regarding their roles in discipling their families i mean i, I think you start with you know paul what he says in the beginning of ephesians 6 you know the fathers are to bring up their children in the in the discipline and instruction of the lord so you right. know that you're not supposed to you know drive them to anger or exacerbate them in that you're supposed to lead them to Christ and bring them up in that instruction. And I think um, uh, a verse and passage I, I know you're going to be very familiar with out of Deuteronomy 6, that's, that's a good, I think, illustration of what that looks like. Right. You know, parents are commanded to teach their children about what God has done for them. So in, in, a, in a nation that has been brought out of the bondage of slavery and, you know, being brought into the promised land as as God is leading them, uh, they're supposed to remember all that they've been commanded, all they've been taught, and teach it diligently to the next generation. And, and it goes on in there. It includes, you know, when you're lying down, when you get raised up in the morning, when you go to bed, and when you're kind of sitting around the table, when you're going around doing the things of life, and all those things, you are to be talking about the things of God. Those are opportunities to instruct your children, which kind of gets to that whole, it's a full life kind of thing. This isn't something that a, you know, a father can check off his list because, well, we spent five minutes today or because, you know, like a lot of guys tend to in the church, I got you to church on Sunday. I, I checked that off my list. We're good. Yeah. We'll see if I can get you there next week. You right. know, I think yeah. a lot of guys fall into that kind of pattern. But uh, if you're going to do what, what Scripture calls us to and what is kind of explained for us in Deuteronomy, you've got to be involved in your children's life and involved in all various kinds of aspects of their life. And you're, and you're looking for opportunities to teach your children about the nature of God, you know, discipline when you have to to discipline a child, you have to spank a child, you have to repair relationship. That it's opportunity there to point to God's commands. How you know that uh, the father that spares the rod hates his child. You know, you can teach things about what God says, and then you teach about the the mercy and grace in the gospel, the restorative effect of forgiveness. So I mean, those are all opportunities to do those kind of things. So that I think that's um a mindset shift where, you know, it's, we're not just Christians because we, we check a few things off our list and do things on Sundays. We're Christian because we follow Christ with the whole of our lives and, and all those kind of things are opportunities for that. Um, and we've got examples. I think if you look through um, the book of Proverbs over and over and over again, you know, my son listened to my wisdom, you know, there's this kind of this urging through kind of wisdom, both in what is honorable to God and pleasing to God, what will cause you to be blessed by God and the kind of dangers that you face. Just, you know, looking through um, part of chapter one, you, you see the author there, you know, saying, hear my son, your father's instruction. And then he's talking about if sinners entice you, do not consent. So these, these probably peers or maybe even friends that might draw you into things that you know were wrong, don't let them entice you. Do not walk in the way with them. These men lie and wait for their own blood. 
Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So there's this, this pleading that fathers do out of wisdom, biblical wisdom, to try and, and save their children from the folly of sin, from the destruction and consequences of sin, and directing them toward greater godliness. And that's, you know, fathers taking that active role to be that, um, be in that position for their kids to, to, to kind of push them, guide them, shape them, protect them all through biblical kind of wisdom. And that, that's again, a fully orbed kind of thing. You're looking for all these different opportunities and you're going to the Bible for your wisdom to guide them. And, you know, along with that, fathers are called to be examples for their children. So, you know, a dad should be able to say, just like uh, Paul, when he says, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ uh, in, in uh, first Corinthians and that a dad should be able to say that to his kids, right? To be, he should be able to say that to his wife, you know, follow my example. And, and too often uh, we don't, so we don't want to talk about the things of God because we're not doing great ourselves. And I think fathers fall into that trap pretty easy of, well, I'm, if I was better, then I might try to be able to call some, I might have the, you know, the moral authority. Um, but we're, we're commanded to, to be examples. We're commanded to, to call people after us. And that makes us have to actually do it uh, and right. give them something to follow. And, and by that, you know, we could, we show, especially our children, we show that this isn't something that, again, that would, that it's just, you know, to check off the box or we're just trying to escape hell. This is something we do because it, it matters to us. You know, it, it's got primacy in our lives that this is a real thing. Hmm. So that, that has to come through because we're showing it in our lives and, and in the home more than any other place. Right. Right. So you're talking about, you know, uh, fathers, you know, calling their families to imitate them. So what, what are some of the consequences that, uh, that happens in a lot of families when, Fathers do abdicate their responsibility, and they don't uh, live up to a, um, a good image of Christ that their family can imitate. I mean, ultimately, you know, families are devastated, yeah. um, and in in many different ways. And it, it's sad that a lot of the statistics bear out that you know, among professing Christians, you know, marriages aren't doing all that much different than a lot of the the secular society around us. So, um, so marriages are falling apart. You know the the relationships are fractured. We've got, I'm sure these numbers aren't any better, but I'm trying to remember the the exact numbers from Ken Ham. Um, the unexcused absence, I think, when he, when he was talking about the just the, how many children are fleeing the church as they reach yeah. adulthood. Yeah. And it was something like seven out of 10 kids that were professing Christians through high school leave yeah. and don't ever come back. So, I mean, we're seeing that kind of devastation. And a lot of that's because their kids are raised to think that this is someone that's kind of trivial. It doesn't really matter that much because mom and dad said they believe, but what did, what effect did it have on their life? How were they any different than, you know, the family down the street or whoever else, you know, that it just, it didn't seem to have an impact. It wasn't something that was built in, in a lasting way. We, when families didn't obey the wisdom of Deuteronomy six or the kind of the pleading of the, of the, the righteous father in the Proverbs and, so I, I think that that's kind of, it's a devastation in a lot of those kind of ways. And I think we've got, we've got generations of men now that think it's actually normal and 
appropriate for mothers to be the primary spiritual influence in the home. Yeah. That, it, okay. It's been so long. That's all, that's all a lot of people have ever seen. So, you know, mom's the one that makes sure we get to church and she's got to kind of harass dad enough to see if he can come on most weeks or depending on what time the game starts or how important yeah. it is that he wants to be there for. So we've gotten kind of used to that idea, which again, feminizes even more the understanding of Christianity. So we're driving young boys either to have a distorted vision of who God is and what what um, Christianity looks like because they've only ever been taught from a feminine perspective, or they just think that it's not, not something that men need or should believe, uh, and they kind of they walk away with that. So we got this bad pattern that start with that, and really we can't even we can't fault the mothers for for a lot of that. There's there is a problem in some homes and in the churches of women who are trying to usurp their, the, their God-given role. They're trying to, 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 they're striving for their husband's position and authority or they're striving for leadership in the church. You know, there are women that are trying to become pastors and all those kind of things in the church that would be against what's commanded. But um, that's, that's a fraction of the problem. A lot of the, what we see though is because men have dropped the ball, refused to lead. And you have women who love their families, love their kids too much to let, leave them without anything. So then they step up and they lead. So they're being as faithful as they can in the moment and, and they're, they're being, you know, doing well with it. So want to, you know, show some appreciation and grace there, but it's still, it's still a, um, a distorted situation. Yeah. And absolutely. And so you got that it, it builds on itself. Right. Um, and again, as, as men want to then step away from their responsibility we've got that whole compounding effect of turning everything over to experts. You know, it, it's a, it's, it provides such an, a neat little way to step away from having to do anything. If I can just get you to the right kind of people, you know, so we get you to the, to the summer, summer uh, vacation Bible school stuff, where we get you to youth group, we get you to Sunday school, we get you to whatever kind of things. And then we turn you over to these experts. And right. sadly, um, most of these, uh, you know, people that we tell ourselves are the experts aren't, aren't necessarily well-trained or equipped themselves, um, especially Sunday school teachers. And this is not to just be meant to be harsh on Sunday school teachers, but a lot of times the Sunday school teachers, especially for the kids are not those who are most, uh, biblically faithful or educated or even good at teaching. They're the only ones that are willing to put up with the kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it just, the, the effects kind of compound then where not only are you turning them over to somebody else, but you're turning them over to somebody else that you have no idea what they believe or what they're going to teach. Mm-mm. And you're just kind of building on different things or, or we get the typical Sunday school kind of, you know, I don't know what the modern equivalent of felt board. We haven't done normal children's kind of stuff for so long that mm-hmm. I, I'm not even sure what the normal, if they're doing all the touchscreen stuff now or whatever yeah. for it, but in my day, you know, it was felt boards and all the little silly things and, and the little silly stories that really didn't come across much different than the nursery rhymes and fairy tales. And that was supposed to equip the kids and compete with what they get all week, especially if they're in public school. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for a lot of those different kind of things, those results are what we're seeing because of that. And, and you get you get a generation and multiple generations where the the faith isn't something that seemed to be as important and it's we're not building a foundational core that's going to be able to stand up against the pressure of society 
So, so people yeah. are folding from what seemed to be not that important in the home to things that are people all around them are really passionate about in a way that's completely opposite from Christ. Right. Right. No, I agree with you hundred percent brother. So uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, explore some, some practical ideas. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the problem. Uh, so what, we'll talk about uh, some practical ideas for fixing the problem. <laughs> or, okay. We'll good. come back. All right. high-tech world. Families are losing the art of old-fashioned quality time together. But you can transform your family time with an exciting new trivia game about Moses and the Exodus. This game is more than just fun and entertainment. It's a chance to unite your loved ones for screen-free family time and enrich your scriptural knowledge. You and your children will have fun laughter and friendly competition as you step back into the Old Testament and test your knowledge about the life of Moses and the biblical details of the Israelites' exodus from Egypt and 40-year trek through the wilderness. This easy-to-play family-friendly game is sure to make memories you'll treasure. So head over to Family Discipleship, podcast.net slash Moses, and get your family a copy of this trivia game, download and print it right away, Put down your electronic devices and play it together with your family tonight. That's familydiscipleshippodcast.net slash Moses. Have fun! All right, welcome back. Um, again, I have uh, Caleb Stomberg with me here on this episode of the Family Discipleship Podcast. And today we're talking about uh, reestablishing the father as the spiritual leader, the spiritual shepherd of the home and family. Um, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, the problem, right? We've, uh, you know, what what's causing it and how it's compounded. Um, so for the last part of the episode, I'd like to talk a little bit more, um, like what practical steps can fathers take in today's culture um, to to kind of go against the, the the grain and to be a solution to that problem, be a spiritual leader in their home? Yeah, sure. I, I think uh, a really basic first step that we can kind of often forget is become absolutely convinced by scripture uh, that this is not an optional thing for for men to do. Uh, right. This is an absolute direct command from God. Um, so if, if we think this is an optional thing or just something that, you know, the, the super Christians do, we'll never do it. Yeah. Just so a nice th thing to add on, right? <laughs> right, right. If we're not absolutely convinced this is necessary, it's not going to stick. So, you know, with that, take responsibility and then Start taking small steps, and I think that's a key thing, small steps in the right direction. You know, you get the analogy of if you got this big ship sailing down the waters, if you try and turn that thing around really sharp, all you're going to end up doing is capsizing. Mm -hmm. Nobody fares well. Mm -hmm. But you can turn even a massive ship by steady, small, direct, a deliberate kind of turning and, and, and maneuvering to get to where you need to go. So kind of think of it in that sense which hopefully can be a little bit freeing because if, if we imagine all that we want to get to and we think we have to get there right now, it's soul crushing. There's the weight of it's too much. So this is something that we can, we need to take in small steps. Um, so, you know, things like prioritizing the whole family going to church together on the Lord's day and going together to church as a family. So not just arriving in the same car and then everybody splitting off into their own respective kind of parts of the building, but actually going to worship together to, you know, sit in the worship service together, sing together, hear the word together, 
be a part of that whole worship experience as a family. So that that's a very simple thing to do, Yeah. but it me it's meaningful. Um, beyond that, start practicing family worship. And I know for, you know, a lot of us, that's, that's a new concept. Oh, yeah. that's, I, I was an adult before I ever, ever even heard the phrase. Right. But it's, it's a massively important thing that not that long ago, people would be put under church discipline if they weren't regularly leading their family and family worship. And, and now nobody knows what it is. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, family worship is basically just doing three things, you know, um, praying together, reading the word together and singing together. All three things that are directed toward God, you know, to, to edify the body of, of Christ in the home. So it, it's that kind of idea. Start simply and slowly with that, you know, so sit your family down together and pray together. Or if you want to start a really easy way, uh, there's a little book, uh, Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers. Yes. Get that, that book and, and read a prayer out of that. And let that be your prayer as a family to God for that time. And then read a passage of scripture together. And it can be just as simple as reading it or better yet, read it and engage with it. Ask questions. Use a, a tool that, that we use pretty much every time we do family worship, the bio, the family worship um, handbook. Um, B, Joel Beakey was a part of putting that together. And yeah. that goes through chapter by chapter, every chapter in the Bible. You So you read a chapter, you got two, two or three short paragraphs. Uh, give a little bit of the sense of the text, a little devotional kind of angle to it, and a couple of questions to engage with. Super simple to use, but very effective. Um, and then sing a hymn or a psalm together. It can be as simple as that. You know, it is it going to be great to be able to add in, you know, catechism to be able to memorize tr- simple truths of, of our faith. Absolutely, you know, to bring in a, a, a confession of faith and elements of that to teach through. Of course, those would be helpful. There's a lot of things you can do that'd be helpful, but right. don't think of it as what you think um, the best family that does family worship does. Think about how can I start something in my family and show that this is an important thing in our home. Right. So just very simply pray, read, and sing. Um, and, on, and it can take 10 or 15 minutes and, and it's meaningful. Yeah. And be you know you tailor it to the age of your kids. Uh, how many kids? Or if it's just, just a husband and a wife, you know, it might look a little different, but oh, yeah. it doesn't have to be complicated. None of this needs to be stuff that is super scary or complicated. So I, th- I think those are, that's really just a simple place to begin there is just to start leading your family and letting your home have a different atmosphere that you're, you're treating it as, as a, a Christian home. And, you know, if, um, for a lot of us, you know, if we homeschool, you know, we kind of learn, hopefully learn pretty quick that you don't have to be an expert across the board and know everything about a subject. Oh, no. You've just got to stay like one lesson ahead of the kids. Right. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. uh, think of it even like that. If, if you're a, if you're a father that doesn't know the Bible very well, right. Okay. Then start reading, start learning something, study something, get a, whatever kind of simple kind of books that are solid. Right. And, and read and learn and then take what you've learned there and simplify it and then give that to your family right. and just stay one step ahead of them. And you're going to, bear a lot of fruit with that. So I think there's, there's very simple ways to take right steps. Um, and a lot of consequence if we don't. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I like how you say, you know, cause like you said, a lot of people 
probably a vast majority of people, and maybe even listening to this uh, when it when it goes out, um, are probably not even going to be familiar with uh, you know some of those terms, you know, family worship and stuff like that. So, so yeah, definitely you know start start with a manageable way. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be you know uh, extraordinarily strange or anything like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. So that, and that's one, helpful. One thing yeah. I I just want to add in with there. Yeah. Use use the the godly men that you have around you. Yes. If you're not a part of a solid church. Yeah. then get a part of one. If you have to right. move, move. Right. Be a part of a church where there are godly men and women that are going to be able to help encourage and support and pour into you. And then you can do the same yeah. for others. And right. so men find godly men in your church, hopefully that are maybe a little bit further along in, that you are. So they've gone through the time with the age of kids and all that kind of stuff Right. and ask them how they did it. Ask right. them, even if they didn't do all the things you think you should find out what they did well and learn from that. So, you know, use those sources and then um, ask them to hold you accountable right. and to ask you how you're doing. Because we need not just our family, we need the support of the family of the church around us to help us and, and, and to hold us accountable. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking about this the other day. And, uh, you know, you think like when when uh, military missions go out, you know, nobody ever flies solo. If you do that, you're going to get shot yeah. down. So, <laughs> so not a good idea. So, you know, same same principle applies here too. Yeah, definitely find someone to to work on this with you and uh you know it'll, it'll be more enjoyable and uh yeah more more accountability too to to make sure it gets done. So um so yeah so we're almost out of time unfortunately I wish we had more. Um but uh I know you, your wife has written uh, a little book or a little study called the five solas. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh where where our listeners could find that? Yeah so reformfaithandfamily.com okay. uh, we've got we've got a store page on there. And we've also got some fun swag, some different shirts and stuff that are kind of yeah. help advance, you know, a, a kingdom mentality. Right. Uh, just, you know, that's not something we make a lot of money on, but just more fun to have. We want to have the source for it. Uh, yeah. But that five solo study, it's, it's a good thing that, you know, we, we go through some sort of five solo study every October because of Reformation Day. Right. Um, but it doesn't have to just be for that. It's, it's five solas are actually a really easy way, you know, for a father, if you're looking, how do I start to get into theology and present it to my kids? Well, the five solas is, is simply just, you know, what uh, the Reformation theology boiled down into, you know, to five little phrases um, that it can really be a good place to start. And, and that's what this little booklet does. It, it just gives you a good place to kind of engage with the five solas, understanding the gospel through their, the recovery of the gospel from, uh, where it had gone when, when the uh, degradation of the church over over a thousand years to get to the point where the Reformation was necessary. Right. Um, so it's really, it's a good place to start with that kind of thing. It goes through all the different five solas. There's, there's scripture references and, and some activity kind of stuff there. It's just a helpful to work through that. And, and it's a really easy place to kind of start uh, in taking those steps to to better teach and your children or feel confident that you have something to offer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll, we'll definitely put the link to uh, links to that in the, uh, the show notes again with the episode too. So that no, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sure. So um, in maybe 90 seconds or less, what's, what's one final word of uh, encouragement or inspiration that you could give to fathers trying to reclaim their biblical role as a spiritual shepherd in their family. Just try to try to think of how many people do you entrust with the souls of your children? So when it comes about taking responsibility to, to, pour into your children to, to oversee their, their spiritual lives and their spiritual formation, right? You're, you are caring for their souls and how many other people do you care? Do you trust that much with your children? That list I'm sure is going to be very short. Yeah. So when you think about that, that that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the eternal souls of our children 
and, and just a little bit of encouragement with that. God doesn't hold us responsible for the results. He holds us responsible to be faithful to what he has commanded. And he brings about the fruit. He brings about the result. And he has promised that he will work through the methods he has given us. So so take courage and, and be confident that he will work through this, even if it's a long journey and a slow change. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. Well, this uh, time sure has gone by fast. I can't, I can't believe it's been uh, 35 minutes or so of, of talking about this wonderful topic. And uh, we'll definitely have you back again sometime to you know, maybe talk about this or something else. Um, Sounds but, good. Look, yeah, look forward to our it. Listen- yeah, yeah. But to our listeners, thank you so much for, for tuning in today. And uh, we hope that uh, you will be blessed by this episode. And uh, feel free to come back again next week uh, for our conversation next time. Talk to you soon. been listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, I truly hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by the things we've covered today. And I'd love to hear your feedback, questions, or even suggestions for a particular guest or topic that you would like to see featured on a future episode. Feel free to email host at familydiscipleshippodcast.net. And don't forget to follow the show on social media and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss new episodes as they're released. I hope you'll be able to join us again next week, but in the meantime, I pray that the Lord will continue to bless your family as you endeavor to shepherd your children's hearts and cultivate your family's relationships with Jesus and with each other.